RadioInfluence.com. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Crushell here, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, if you want to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. That's Crush with a K. Get to us. Questions, comments, smart remarks, or listen. If you have something you want us to investigate, or if you need help with something, we answer every single message we get. And we've dedicated segments, even entire episodes, to your ideas. Um, and if you don't want us to do that, we don't. So, you know, before we air it and talk about it on the air, uh, we run it by you first. So uh, do reach out and also keep your eyes open. We have a new website coming. A lot of cool new stuff that we'll be able to add on there. Uh, just new ways to share information. A little more in depth. Uh, you can go to our website right now and sign up for the podcast. Subscribe for sure. But there's some really cool stuff coming on the new website. So we're excited about that. I'm also very excited about today's show. It is spring training, ladies and gentlemen, the start of the baseball season. Look, we love every sport, but it's the start of the baseball season, and we love baseball. Hey, take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. And while baseball might be the theme here, it's all about player development, athlete development, long-term development. That's what the conversations have been with everybody we've had on so far in our series. And if you look at it out there, if you look at what all the top organizations are doing and all the top coaches, they are searching other sports. They're really curious about what's going on in other sports and in other areas of human development so they can bring it back and work it into whatever sport they're involved in or whatever, whatever system they're running inside of their sport. So while baseball might be our overlying theme here, there is so much information to take away regardless of what sport you're involved in. And that's one, you know what, that's one of the reasons I love my position in sport. My background is, is player development, athlete development, strength and conditioning, physiology. Of course, you can look at, at, at the psychology side and biochemistry as well. So really the three big ones for me. And I just really believe these are the foundations of, of performance in any sport. That's why I love working football. I love hockey. I love working tennis. I love golf, those individual sports, squash, tennis, right? Golf. I love working baseball because the underlying themes of athlete development and human performance are all consistent there. All you need to do is fine tune that stuff for the sport you're in, for the position you play, and also the system that the team runs because that can also that can also have an impact on how you go about some of the strategies and development. But the big three, listen, there's three of them. You know what our four major priorities are right now, and you know we're digging into the brain game. Our top priorities are sleep, first and foremost. Number one, if you're not taking care of that, nothing else matters, period. And if you aren't building your player programs and your team programs around quality rest and quality recovery, you're off the mark. I'm sorry, that's just how it is. Now, there are times for overload. Don't get me wrong. There are strategic times for overload. But that's also rest and recovery. Maybe we shrink that up a little bit when volume is high. 
and intensity might be a little bit low. All these strategies come into play. Rest, recovery, sleep, number one. Nutrition, hydration, number two. Posture, range of motion, number three. And then teach movement. We need to develop these incredible movers, these incredible athletes. So when we hand them over to the technical, tactical side, the athlete development, hand it over to the player development, those coaches have athletes that can make the adjustments they need to make. Coachable players, creating coachable players. So not only do we need coachable coaches, myself included, we need coachable players. That's how we really make this thing sing, right? Those are our four priorities. But in the big picture, listen, there are three bedrock pillars that make up the foundation for human performance, athlete development, player development. And they are this, physiology, biochemistry, and neuroscience or neurobiology. These are the three bedrock pillars that make up the foundation of human development and human performance, not just in sport. Anywhere people are trying to get better at something, these three are connected. They're at the root of it all. Now, you don't need to be an expert in these. You don't need to study them and understand them because they're all an incredible world unto themselves. But if you're going to be effective at what you do, coach, teacher, athlete, I think you need to have at least a basic understanding that they exist in what they are. Physiology is the science of life. It's a science that aims to provide an understanding of the inner workings of living things. That's what it is. From cell function to the integration and behavior of the whole part working together. All the organs in our bodies, for example, working together to drive life. And how does that work when we want to learn how to play the piano or master chess or create movements in sport and then progress through the system? It also looks at how the environment we're in influences how we adapt and develop. That's kind of a real general idea of what physiology is, and it's fascinating. And when you understand it, you can probably better strategize your approach to development no matter what you're doing. So physiology is the science of life. Biochemistry is the chemistry of life. It's a study of chemical substances and processes that occur and how they change during development and throughout life to influence how we adapt. You can think about going through puberty. Think about young boys going through puberty. All the hormones racing, the body's changing like crazy. Same thing for, for girls. So puberty would be a great example of this. Also think about adrenaline or dopamine. Hormones that influence us immediately. Think of adrenaline in the fight or flight, like when you're scared. Or think about dopamine when you land that jump or you connect with that baseball or you drive that golf ball, that euphoria, that, that dopamine charge that you get. They not only impact us immediately, they can also impact how we adapt, perceive, and change over time. Really cool stuff. Think about the crush war on sugar, for example. This is a good one. It's kind of what the crush war on sugar is all about. And how passionate we are about this, how sugars, sweeteners, and carbohydrates in our diet are at the root of the obesity, diabetes, and Alzheimer's pandemics, for sure. But also in how we operate in a day-to-day -day basis, how it's influencing our athletes. Too much sugar, the wrong sugars, the wrong carbohydrates are devastating, not only to physical performance, but also to how our brain functions. It's all biochemistry, man. It's all biochemistry. It's fascinating. And then there's the world of neuroscience or neurobiology. This is the science of the nervous system. Now, this is a multidisciplinary science that works to help us better understand the properties of the neurons and the neural circuits from the brain out to the periphery and back. It's a two-way street, man. It is going both ways 24-7, and this stuff is incredible. And it includes the areas of physiology and anatomy, 
molecular biology, developmental biology, cytology, all these different areas of science come together to help us better understand neuroscience. It looks at the biological basis of learning, memory, behavior, how we perceive things, and consciousness. What is consciousness? What's happening when we're awake and conscious and aware? What happens when we're unconscious? Okay, the understanding of all this has been described as the ultimate challenge of the biological sciences, of all the sciences, physiology, biochemistry, neuroscience and neurobiology is the ultimate challenge because there's so much we don't know. You've heard it on the show. If you listen, you've heard me say this many times. When it comes to the physiology side, the physical side, we're kind of at a ceiling, right? We really know this well. If we get an athlete and he needs to be faster or stronger or needs to jump higher or move better, we have a good idea. We know how to do that stuff. I, I really do believe there's not an athlete on the planet that we cannot help get better. I know that for a fact, right? And collectively, with all the experts out there who specialize, we can truly find out the physical potential of that person. But listen to me carefully. Biochemistry influences everything we do. And the neuroscience drives it all. The brain is in contact with every cell in our body and every organ. And if all those things aren't working together, whoo-wee, we got an uphill battle. But when you got an understanding and you can work it into your plan and your strategy for short-term, long-term, and immediate performance, now we're getting somewhere. So guys, listen, while this conversation over the last couple of weeks has been, you know, sort of under the umbrella of baseball because we love the, the sport of baseball, we love every sport, but baseball happens to be kicking off right now, um, look inside these conversations for hints and trends in physiology, biochemistry, neuroscience, and how those things are coming together to help athletes get better. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk with Tom Gillespie, who is the area supervisor and scout for Africa and Europe for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's also the founder and executive director of Play Global. And then later in the show, we have the VP of High Performance for the Blue Jays, Angus Mugford, to talk about their great program. It's all coming up right after this on Crush Performance. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, write Crusher at crushperformance.com and follow him on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Now, back to the Crusher. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Thanks for hanging on over the break. We are your weekly source for performance information. Your coach, player, athlete. We are working our butts off here to keep you on the cutting edge and to help us all move forward as we try to chase down our dreams or help those athletes chase down their dreams as we try to get better ourselves. If you want to reach out, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is our email. Questions comments smart remarks send them there or if you have a topic or if you need help with something let us know we've dedicated segments even entire episodes to your ideas but we respond to every single message that we get and listen if we don't have the answer if i don't have the answer we know somebody that does and in our network is just such a such a great network of incredible people who are willing to share and just help each other out that's the beautiful thing about this world of sport and sport performance you know, everybody wants to share their information. 
Everybody's always looking to get better and learn. And we've got so many people that we have access to. So if you do need help, that's what we're here for. You know, we pride ourselves in trying to get everybody thinking about things they could be thinking about. But we really, really pride ourselves in problem solving, man. And if you've ever read my book, The Performance Plan, you know that two of the prime directives of coaching development, player development, human development is let's let's focus on developing decision makers and problem solvers. That's setting people up for life, but it certainly helps us in the world of sport performance, most certainly. Well, let's get back to it. Though baseball is our platform here over the last couple of weeks because it's starting up and we love the game. Even if you're not a fan of baseball, maybe you're totally entrenched in another sport. Listen, there is so much to learn from the other sports. And there's so many great people inside of all the different sports. When you start bringing their mindsets together, it is like a nuclear explosion of knowledge. And and that's exactly what this is all about. And I'm really, really happy to uh, have on the show uh, my good friend Tom Gillespie. He is an area supervisor and scout for Africa and Europe for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's also the founder and executive director of Play Global. Tommy, thank you so much for joining us today all the way from uh, Germany, my friend. Really appreciate having you on. Jeff, uh, excited to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) I love it, man. I'm going to throw Bart Simpson in on that one, man. Name's Dimitri. I'm a first-time caller, long-time listener. Hello? Hi, I'm looking for a Mr. Ron. First name, Mo? Mo Ron? Moron. It's you, you little puke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great to have you on, man. Great to have you on, for sure. And, hey, listen... Um, a pretty good timing too. Baseball is underway here in in the southern states. The Cactus League, the Grapefruit League, are well underway. Uh, we see the return of the minor leagues this year. Fingers crossed. Everything's going to go well with with the COVID. Uh, but man, what a what an interesting time this has been through this COVID area, and we know it's affected everybody globally. And maybe let's start there. You know, with your work with Play Global, and we know with your work as a scout. Um, there is talent development going on in the four corners of the world right now. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, players are still trying to get better and still looking for opportunities. Um, coaches are still working to get to get better as well. So it's just trying to find the, the ways to engage with that. I mean, a lot of it's uh, from a scouting perspective. A lot has been video just because travel has been so restricted. Um, but it's a lot of catching up with uh coaches and players all over the world just trying to follow what they're doing how they're getting better so we can hit the ground running and are hitting the ground running now as we're able to to get out and see players again yeah yeah no it's an interesting time and tom you know i met you probably early 2000s my first trip to uh, work with mlb internationally was 2005 or 2006 at the trenia academy we met right right about that time um, so, you know, one thing that's really fascinated me, even until this day, uh, as I travel around and help Major League Baseball with the player development, is um, how far the development has come just in that short time. Like, to see the players that we originally saw in Europe and Africa, for example, uh, you know, almost 15 years ago, to what we're seeing now. And it has a lot to do with, as you mentioned, coaching development for sure, but giving players access to a higher performance competition as well. So many cool things have gone on in your time as a scout. You surely have had to notice some of those changes. 
No, collectively, the the game in Europe specifically has just grown so so much. I mean, the coaches um, don't mean this to disrespect anybody from the past, but I think the coaches. There's so many more coaches that grew up playing the game and grew up around high level competition that then became coaches, um, and the just the level of training that they get, that players get, and the level of the organization of the programs is so much there's so many more places within the continent of europe where guys can get a great baseball experience um i'm i can't say how far back I mean, i've been here almost 20 years but just in that time um i've just it's been exponential exponential change and growth and i just think the depth of talent has has really really expanded over especially over the last 10 to 12 years yeah, no, it's been it's been incredible to watch, especially when you look at the coaching development, as you mentioned, but then the program development, the things we're seeing happening in Holland, the programs in Germany, like the Regensburg Academy, absolutely a game changer in Europe. And of course, what the Italians are doing. And then you have the Czech, the Czech uh, baseball programs as well, just really talking about player development and actually sort of encompassing that long term approach which is really raising the bar over there. And, and we're still seeing that forward momentum. Yeah, no, it's, and you, you hit it on the head. It's, uh, there's nationally, there's so many good programs and so many people that have invested their time and energy and blood, sweat and tears into making their, their own programs as strong as they can be and competing on that stage. But at the same time, there's so much collaboration. There's so many forward thinking people coming up with different ideas and, and a lot of that was spurred by the different events put on by MLB and the different uh, development and coaching initiatives going on, but just so many people that came together and, and really got better uh, collectively, really got better working together and pushing each other. And I think that's, uh, you know, there's still a long ways to go, but that's one of the, the things that I think, um, you know, we can take pride in as a, as a sport for the way that things have moved forward. Yeah, we're talking with Tom Gillespie, who is a area supervisor for Africa and Europe as a scout for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's also the founder and executive director of Play Global. You can check out their great work at playglobal.org. Um, Tom, you know, one of the things that actually really uh, set me back when I went over to Europe initially was exactly what you said there, the, the incredible sharing, you know, you see these countries competing against each other and it is cutthroat. It's beautiful rivalries, right? They're at each other, but boy, oh boy, when those coaches get together to talk player development, to help the players move forward, man, it is almost a humbling experience to see how open their sharing is. And, you know, we lost a, a really, really Oh my goodness, I don't even know what the words are, the proper words, but an incredible ambassador for the game in um, in uh, the MLB um, pitching coordinator over there, Bill Holmberg from Italy. He was one of those incredible people that was just open to new ideas, always trying to find things to move forward. But then he would go to Germany. He would go to Czech Republic. He would go to Poland. He would go up and spend time with, with the guys in Holland just to share ideas, man. Oh my gosh, it's just incredible. What a what a what a community over there. It's just at the. I mean, Bill was an incredible protege for so many, for so many young coaches, myself included. Um, I guess not so young anymore, but <laughs> just a, a, the way that um, that knowledge is spread, as you just said. Um, I think the the thing that I think about is there's so many coaches that are 
cutting edge in in the field of what they do. And Bill was one of the first guys I came across that fell right into that category. You know, he um, everywhere he went in the world, he was respected for what he knew and 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 how he delivered it. And I think more and more we're seeing that where, um, you know, you mentioned the guys from the Netherlands that are right on the cutting edge of human movement and are working with and leading programs about that all over the world. And that's true on the baseball, all kinds of different skill sets within the baseball community that we're, we're seeing that more and more. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, one of the great challenges here right now, and this is a global challenge. It's just, I still am, I still sometimes have to just sit back and just try to comprehend what everybody's been through around the world here with this COVID uh, pandemic, but it has literally impacted everybody. We've seen baseball and sport, every sport virtually shut down for an entire year. And one of the conversations we're having right now, of course, we've seen NHL uh, come around. We watched the NBA come back to life. We watched uh, an incredible NFL season with no fans, but there was no, there were no kids playing sport. There were no very little college action. And so we're coming off of a year of, of no sport virtually for the developmental ranks, uh, especially. And as baseball comes back, um, what a challenge this is going to be now because everybody's excited to get back, but we have missed an entire year of competition. So the return to play here is going to have to be very strategic, I think. Personally, I, it's my opinion, we really going to have to be smart about getting our kids ready and our players ready for the season. It's not going to be the return of a regular season. Um, as a scout and, and you know, being over there in Europe and Africa and talking to people around the globe, is that kind of similar mindset over there, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, the season uh, in 2020 really got cut short. In some countries, they, they ended up not having any baseball, official baseball during the year at all. And given the current situation with the third wave we've got going on right now, it's a big question on what's going to happen in the short term for the start of 2021. Um, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about tape making. A, I've heard you speak with uh, other guests about the opportunity of, of the lockdown and really finding a way to drive forward. And I think, and I'm sure that players all over the globe have done that where they've, you know, baseball is a game of routines, you know, it's a daily, daily grind, get up. How are you going to compete that day? Um, so it's a lot of recreating the wheel here on saying, okay, I, I don't know when the next game is going to be. I don't know when the next competition is going to be. It's not a, not a normal off season. I kind of have to be like people were last spring. I kind of have to be ready to go here in short order, but who knows when that's going to be, if it's going to be two weeks, two months or two years. So it was, uh, you know, without knowing where that goal specific goal was, I think it created a lot of uncertainty, but within that uncertainty, a lot of opportunity. So from a development standpoint, that's the positive side. The negative side is everybody needs like one of the most important things within the game of baseball is just the high level competition, playing at game speed, you know, being able to identify that breaking ball, being able to, you know, make an adjustment when you face more velocity, um, not, you know, a pitcher, not being able to just throw his fastball past somebody, but getting to that level where all of a sudden the guy can turn on it and he has to learn how to pitch. And the reality is pretty much globe wide, that didn't happen for a year or it happened a lot less than we would have normally. 
eye-opening and we're going to learn a lot just seeing physically what that's going to mean and then just baseball skill set wise because it's not like anybody fell behind because everybody fell behind so just seeing how that takes shape and how it's going to play out both in the injury side both on guys because they had that extra rest if we want to call it that um if we're going to be able to see the flip side of that where we're going to have less less injuries of some some sorts and then just mentally slash competitive wise how that changes the shape of the game when when we get back and we get back into that routine and people are kind of re refining that rhythm yeah recalibrating right back to those fastballs back to that competition level intensity yeah good stuff and i and you're right you're so right two things i'm concerned about well maybe two things we're really really watching is one again yeah are we going to see a massive spike in talent because without games, we know guys were working on the technical side. They're working on the skills and maybe even hopefully developing as athletes, you know, building the, the physical attributes that are going to allow them to take their game to another level. But on the other side, you're right. Old wounds and old injuries healing. What a great opportunity it's been for that. But if we rush back too soon here, oh boy, boy, that could be a recipe for disaster. So our, our, our line here and the one thing we're trying to really encourage everybody to do is really be conscious of the levels of readiness as we go into this new season. Because yes, thank goodness, we're gonna, it looks like we're going to have a little bit of baseball here. Yeah, amen. And with, you know, everybody's waiting for the doors to be thrown open here. And once they do, everybody's going to want to go and play whatever, whatever sport they play, whatever it is they want to do socially. It's, uh, it's just trying to think about the, the buildup like we would have in a normal time and being an ex- even more cautious knowing the situation and the layoff that we've had. So I don't know what the right answer is there, but I know it's going to, we're going to have to find a way to apply the brakes and really be more cautious as we go in because it's going to be, it appear at least here, it's going to be later in the spring than we'd be used to. And especially coming off a short season, people are going to be wanting to go outside and play once they're allowed. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're looking at here too, Tom. So proceed with caution, everybody. That's our, that's sort of our sort of line right now. And we'll talk more about that as we get closer to game day, for sure. We're talking with Tom Gillespie. He scouts for the Pittsburgh Pirates covering Africa and Europe. He also is the founder and executive director for Play Global. Well, Tom, one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about, because this is something that's really been um, um, interesting to me personally, you know, we've seen a lot of changes in sports. Like we've seen rule changes, we've seen, you know, um, changes in age groups, we've seen all kinds of different things go on in sport, but I really don't think we have ever seen a change in a, in an organized higher level sport, uh, as what we've experienced in professional baseball this last year with the contraction of 42 minor league teams, there will be over a thousand players that would normally sign pro in the draft that are now going to be looking for places to play. And, and, you know, we're talking to a lot of great people in baseball about this, trying to get a feel for what this means for the developmental pathway. And, you know, maybe there's an upside, maybe there's a downside. We're just trying to figure it out because it's so new, but, but what a drastic change. So now for you as a scout, boy, I was really, really excited to talk to you about this. As a scout, you're looking at the greatest young talent uh, around the world. And now some of those avenues that were available for some of the talent uh, aren't necessarily there anymore. So we've got to look at other options. So just from your perspective, is, is there a change in attitude in professional sport as you scout for the Pittsburgh pirates or, you know, as other teams look at the developmental pathways um, because we have 42 less teams. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 
I'm a big believer in development. So the, the more baseball there is, the more high level coaching there is, the more opportunity there is, the better. Um, from us, as a scout, the we're going to see how this all takes shape. But the reality is, is that there's there's less there's less place, places for a guy to go, and probably that's in the short term. And in the long term, it's the the development curve is going to be steeper. So to take a shot on a guy who really have a good feeling about, but is raw in some aspect of their game, or less experienced in some aspect of their game. It's just the the to go from rookie ball to low A now. That's a you know that's a big jump that some people that have had really successful big league careers took three or four years to kind of work through that process, and now it's you're going to get right to the point where it's like, hey, if you don't have success at low A or you're not ready for that level, now what do you do? So I don't know what the right answer there is. I mean, I'm, there's there's pluses and minuses of the decisions that, that were made. Um, but it's, it's from a development side, it really getting closer to having to have that performance a lot sooner. Otherwise a guy's just not going to be able to, if a a guy has to be ready to be able to go into that level or otherwise, how is he going to get the playing time to continue to improve? Yeah. And that's our big concern right now. So let's just, if we could take your, take your scouting hat, hat off right now, just as a baseball guy. All right. So. So I guess maybe maybe my first question would be here. Let's put your baseball. Let's put your scouting cap back on. <laughs> let's put it back on. Hey, so is this going to change how you evaluate players? Not not putting on. I don't want you to divulge anything secret or anything. But but you know, if we have if we have a thousand less spots, so you know, if we break that down to thirty teams, that's a pretty big number of players per team that we would normally sign that we don't sign. So now we're not even going to be looking at those players now, or are we still looking at those players with our fingers crossed that they might still develop? Man, what a, do you see what I'm saying? What a massive change. Is that going to change how teams now evaluate young talent? Or maybe it gives them the opportunity to be a little more selective. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think my, my guess is it's going to be more the latter, is that it's I mean, how we're actually evaluating the players should still remain the same. We're all looking for big leaguers guys with big league, big league upside, and it's just figuring out, kind of drawing out how we think they're going to be able to get there. Now, the reality is there's going to be, you're going to be able to take less shots on guys. There's, there's just not as many spots where a guy's going to be able to play. There's not as many spots on the field as there there was two years ago. Now, that doesn't mean the guy a guy's not going to get opportunity to continue to develop in baseball. They can still go to independent leagues. They can still go college baseball, you know, international in all kinds of different leagues. There's a lot of different ways for the individual player to move forward. Um, but the direct pathway, which, you know, is unique in, in major league baseball anyway, on how the minor league system is all multiple levels and all built under, um, built under the one club. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see how that goes. But for me specifically, or anybody else in my position, internationally, domestic, wherever they meet, you know, in whatever level you're at, is I'm still sending in my evaluations the same way I would on the players that I like, what I think they are, what I think they can be. But it's going to be a lot more difficult for the the, the farm directors or the assistant GM or whoever's making that final call in your organization to, to be able to they they'll, they're going to need to be more selective just because they're going to be able to bring less people into the organization. Yeah. You know, I don't have the numbers and I'm trying to find these numbers, Tom, of uh, players who were drafted late that made it. We all know the stories though. These, 
these diamonds in the rough that signed and nobody had big hopes for them. But some of these players came from, came from the, uh, you know, the late draft rounds to not just come up and play well, but, but hall of fame impact the impact the league. I'm wondering, are we going to lose some of those players now? Like I just, I love, I, I, one thing I loved about baseball was sort of, the miniature long-term development program you could put together inside of an organization that's been cut short a little bit now. So I'm worried about what happens outside now, but I do like what you said. There are going to be options. I think for those organizations, those independent ball organizations that understand the opportunity here, we're going to see a massive influx of talent to the independent leagues, but also we, you and I both know, cause we've talked about this before the college route has been a good Avenue for players to develop for a long, long time now. Yeah, no, I mean, the, there's multiple ways to get there. And, you know, they, no matter how, when there was C-ball, D-ball, all the different levels uh, back in the day, you know, there's still guys that showed up that nobody had ever heard of who are really, really good. And now it's, you know, there's a lot of guys who don't come through the specific showcase circuits or come from a way off the beaten, beaten path where the weather didn't cooperate for them to get seen. You know, internationally, there's, it's even when they get seen, there's there's guys that develop at different at different times and periods, and different. Um, you know, not everybody who was the top prospect at 16 is the top prospect at 18. Not everybody who's the top prospect prospect at 18 um, is at 23. I mean, those lists that are out there publicly and the list privately, they change all the time um, because players change. And if you really believe in whether it's specifically within your own organization or just believe in development principles standalone beside guys maturing and figuring stuff out and, and just different ways that individual players can get better, just hope that the, the, the options and the avenues stay open for guys who are later developers for whatever yeah. reason that is, wherever they're from. And as long as that's still a path, then then it's just making sure that a guy who could be a big leaguer, especially if that's a guy who could be a big leaguer from Uganda or could be a big leaguer from another big leaguer from Lithuania or a big leaguer from Germany, that those guys don't lose that opportunity and fall off that path because of that. And as long as there's still routes for them to get there, um, I wish it was within my organization and we could watch it every step along the way. But there's a lot of other ways to get there, too. And, and maybe that situation, um, you know, forces players or allows them, whichever way you want to look at it, to really consider their options for what's the best way forward for them rather than feeling like they have to be in a system at a set point in time. Oh, uh, yeah. Great perspective. We're talking with Tom Gillespie, who is a scout for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He covers Africa and Europe. And he's also the founder and executive director for Play Global. No, it's a really interesting time. I'm, I am, I'm, I'm honestly intrigued in how this is going to lay out. And I do think that once the dust settles with all the changes, we're going to see some incredible opportunities come out of this for player and player development. So we'll keep our eyes there, Tom. Thanks for that for sure. Um, you know, the other thing, the other thing that that comes along with with all of that, of course, um, is the idea of of you know the performance pathways are one thing right the long term planning is another but also as you said creating those opportunities is is interesting i wonder if this is going to with those fewer number of players in the organizations i wonder if player uh, uh 
uh, player development programs now inside of baseball are going to really be held more accountable or maybe they're more enticed to really, really invest in those players that are now in the organization rather than just seeing who rises to the top. Not to say that that's exactly that's what happened, but um, maybe this is going to force uh, a little more concentrated effort in player development. I mean, just look at the Blue Jays, new that new facility in Dunedin. That's a $110 million player development mecca, man. So I think that attitude's already been shifting here. Yeah, no, I mean... I, I think the shift in player development within the game of baseball has has been pretty dramatic in the last decade or maybe a little more than that anyway. I, the, I, pretty much every organization um, takes great pride in developing their own players and they're not just babysitting some first rounder and having everybody else there just to play. Um, you know, I don't think there's too many baseball operations offices that were pushing to have less development opportunities for their players. Right. You know, this, right. the, the decisions are not made, being made at that level. And so amongst the coaches, amongst the, the leadership in baseball operations, I really believe that, you know, there's a lot of people there that have dedicated their lives to developing players for a reason that they believe that, that it's, there's a lot of ways to get there. And yeah, I, I don't know if the approach will change. I, I just expect that the, yeah, the outcomes might change a bit just because that there's, there's, you're narrowing the the pathway for guys to be able to get there a little bit. Yeah. But certainly there could be positives that come out of it too. There's all kinds of, of ways to look at this and say, um, you know, the, the, the structure and the way it's set up on if and when they pay minor league players more, when, the travel is easier to be able to be done. The you know having really standing behind the requirements on what the facilities are, um, and having structure setups, which a lot of clubs are doing on their own anyway, but having a lot higher expectation here on saying, hey, we're going to control this. We're going to make sure this is exact exactly what you need to. We're going to give you every opportunity, every thing that you need to have to be able to become the best that you can be. Um, no, they, they've just they've cut out some of the middlemen, for better or for worse. Yeah, no, interesting times. We're going to be watching with great interest. And that, of course, is the high-performance pathways. Those are players who have, you know, survived a development model, which for the most part, in my humble opinion, is broken in so many ways. Uh, we have a lot of work to do on the developmental side. But sport is so much more than just the high-performance pathways. I'm, I'm really... Really honored, first of all, to be uh, on the advisory committee for Play Global, Tom. So thanks for that invitation. But but one of the things I really do want to start talking about here is what Play Global is all about and why it came about and how it started. But also, you know, the whole that whole side of sport, you know, just getting kids out playing and having that experience and getting better at something. And even if they n- never play competitively at all, they're just out there uh, maybe learning life skills, right? There's so much more to sport. Uh, let's talk about Play Global, Tommy. How did that start? It's such a great initiative. Yeah, no, thank you, Jeff, and thanks for thanks for all your, the interest you've had with it. Um, I mean, Play Global. the The idea is that it's not a baseball development tool; it's a development tool using baseball. Um, it's a nonprofit where we teach baseball to coaches and kids in developing countries and area of con- areas of conflict. Um, it's about bringing kids together um, and helping coaches become leaders. So it's, uh, it came about 
Um, you know, I, I worked uh, for Major League Baseball doing development work in, in Europe and Africa for a lot of years. Um, Julia McCarthy uh, is, was the other founder, and she worked in the nonprofit sector. Pat Doyle is a longtime uh, envoy coach helping provide coaches through MLB to programs all over the world um, to, be, to be placed there. Three of us put our heads together and said, hey, there's a way that we can do this and really have an impact um, that will help grow the game, but that's, that's going to be a secondary outcome. Um, just seeing the more off the beaten path that those programs were and where we did coach education, where we did um, go and take an over a PE class in a school in, in different places. Um, the more off the beaten path we were, the, the more impact it would have and the, the more connected and the more uh, passionate those people came, became about the game, not specifically because of the game, but because of the opportunity and the way that it connected them. So that's what we tried to recreate and uh, founded in 2012 and just slowly but surely growing ever since then, trying to find more and more ways to uh, make sure that wherever we do do programming, that it sticks to our mission and that we can have a lasting impact and and ensure that whatever we do is sustainable so that whether we're there or not, that that impact remains. Yeah, so great. And uh, the website is playglobal.org. And, you know, some of the first things you'll see on that website are, are three main words, respect, teamwork and baseball. And I like what you said, uh, you know, baseball is not the purpose here. Baseball is the vehicle more or less. Yep. Amen. Yeah. And it's uh, play-global.org just, just to make the no big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's really powerful to see, you know, I, the example, the easy example that I can use um, amongst many, um, you know, we've set up our programs different depending on each location and what the need is. Um, but one that I think really stands out because of the simplicity everybody can understand it is uh, Israeli Jewish kids and Israeli Arab kids coming together on a field and all learning baseball together at the same time. You know, nobody's really been exposed to the sport before. And most of them, at least on the uh, Arab side, most of them have never really been exposed to kids from the other group you know they they have an idea in their head about what the other is but in their daily life they're just not interacting so being able to bring them together have them learn together have them laugh together have them fail together and have them compete together um and it just it's a powerful thing to be able to see and that's you know it's it's one little pocket within a much bigger picture and i'm certainly not going to claim to be an expert on, on, uh, you know, relations within, within the bigger scope of things, but the impact that that can have just on the individuals involved and then the people within their community, because they've had that direct contact because they've had a positive experience and because everybody came in on the same level. Uh, it's just something that, that we can take, well, I don't want to say we can take pride in, but that we, um, are really proud of what that impact can be. And that can be recreated in different scenarios all over the globe. Oh, wow. That is powerful stuff. That is game changing beyond the game for sure. We're talking with Tom Gillespie. 
area scout and supervisor for Africa and Europe for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and also the founder and executive director for Play Global, and it's play-global.org. Right, right, Tom? So listen, oh, yeah, that, you got it, yeah, that that is powerful stuff. And, you know, kind of like you said about the coaches in Europe, you know, these guys have now grown up playing the game. They've had some good coaching and now they're coaching again. So that developmental flywheel just keeps on turning and gaining momentum. It's kind of the same thing here, bringing these kids together, parents, coaches in a community together. They've seen it. They've experienced it together. That could feed a whole, a whole uh, culture of momentum based around the game of baseball. It's absolutely fantastic. No, that's just it. And it's, uh, you know, kids can have a, can experience some success. They, you know, they, they can compete in, in, in whether it's in a drill or in a game or, or, you know, playing something that has nothing to do with baseball, but then sitting down with, with the other kids that they're involved with and having to talk about life or having to talk about, you know, just whatever it may be, um, as a little aside, and that, that's just, that's how that's how we try to uh, that's the situation we try to create so that uh, so that we can yeah so we can have, make an impact that's going to last beyond when these kids stop playing baseball. I love it. Hey, so listen, what, you know, if you look at some of your latest projects, just fantastic stuff. There's actually pictures and video you can get online on social media of you guys with truckloads of stuff coming into a community. Uh, that's not, Hey, listen, that, that the pictures look great and that's a fantastic, but that there was a whole truckload of work that went into making that happen. I can't even imagine what has to go into getting that type of equipment, that type of goods, and even the services into the areas you're going into. Yeah, no, we've, we've got current projects going on in Israel, Kyrgyzstan, South Africa, Ukraine, um, and a couple spots in Africa, most recently in Nigeria earlier this month. Um, but the equipment you're talking about was a, a huge donation from Wilson Sporting Goods um, into into South Africa. A whole bunch of youth baseball gloves, youth baseball bats, balls, um, where um, they, I mean, they were, were, were extremely generous. And, and we're now basically have a great opportunity to be able to say, hey, here's where's where are you where is baseball going on where is there an impact we're providing some we're providing coach education um through chad gravenhorst down there is spearheading it on our behalf and really really has done a great job of um getting the federation on board getting the schools uh, association on board really working with the club programs um but ultimately what are you doing what would you need to be able to uh to take it to the next level yeah, let's help you train up some more coaches or get your coaches to a higher level to be able to do that. And at the same time, be able to provide some base level of equipment and a lot of it so that you can say, okay, now you can run a bigger practice. You can run a safer practice. You can get more kids involved. Um, and it just makes it that much easier to be able to say, hey, a lot of things can go forward here. And the reality is, is a lot of those programs there might be a traveling coach in the region who has one bag of gloves that only when that person is there, does their club have gloves and whether it's still going to be enough for everybody in the field or not is another thing. Now we're not going to solve that long-term, but in the short term, we can for sure be able to provide a totally different experience and open up the game to a lot more people. Oh, Tommy, I absolutely love it. And Hey, so it's a nonprofit. 
if people do want to get involved, Tom, and maybe they want to contribute somehow and really get on the Play Global um, uh, bandwagon here to, you know, encourage, you know, just participation in all these incredible places in the world. How can people, how can people get involved, Tom? Yeah, I think the simple thing is, is just go to the website, have a poke around. Um, there's a couple of videos on there that you referenced that just kind of, I think the pictures and the, will tell a thousand words Agreed. compared to me rambling on here. Um, you know, as a nonprofit, we, everything we do is through donations. Um, everybody involved is a volunteer. Um, so, you know, we, we need volunteers in every aspect, whether it's coaching, whether it's helping run our own organization to be able to help do outreach marketing, um, open to ideas on that front and would be happy just, um, when the biggest thing I think within that is help us spread the word. Um, we're really excited about what we're doing. And I think the simplest thing, um, in addition, or instead of uh, being able to be in a position to make a donation is, Hey, what, what's a little thing that you can do to, to help let people know what we're doing is if, if you think it's a pretty cool thing. So, you know, from the website, we've got a Facebook page. It's just Facebook, uh, backslash play global, um, got a group on LinkedIn, um, all these different social medias, which, um, we don't blow anybody up in any way, but it's just, uh, trying to send out, uh, updates on what we're doing, where we're doing it and, and what the impact of that'll be. Yeah. Awesome. And I love the social media platform. So hop on board, everybody play global, check it out on the social media platforms, give them a follow and a thumbs up for sure. Tom, listen, great conversation today. Baseball's back, baby, which is so exciting. The high performance pathways are changing and I can't wait to see the first player who does a major league interview saying, yeah, Hey, I got my first experience in baseball through a play global program in some, some obscure part of the world. Awesome stuff, Tom. Really appreciate you and everything you do. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. Appreciate your time. There you go, everybody. Tom Gillespie. He is the area supervisor and scout for Africa and Europe for the Pittsburgh Pirates and founder and executive director of Play Global. The website, again, is play-global.org. If you want to reach out, check out their great information, donate, or share ideas. They're wide open and just doing some fantastic work. Got to thank Tommy for that. All right, listen, we got to cut out for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our talk on player development with Angus Mugford, the VP of High Performance for the Toronto Blue Jays. We're going to discuss their incredible new player development facility. It is like something that sport has never seen. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about their philosophy and their slogan, get better every day. Right after this on Crush Performance, stick around, everybody. If you have any performance questions, comments, or smart remarks, text Crusher at 101260 and follow him on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Now, here he is, the Crusher. You're listening to Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell. Get the Crush podcast, newsletter, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Hey, listen, if you want to reach out to us, questions, comments, smart remarks, crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is our email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush. And on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all the social media platforms, search out Crush Performance, and you can get us there. The podcast, the newsletter, uh, you can join up as a member. we got a new website coming, a lot of cool things in the pipeline on Crush Performance, so uh, keep your eyes open for that. 
Okay, while we're talking player development and the return of baseball, and I'm really happy to introduce the VP of High Performance for the Toronto Blue Jays, Angus Monkford. Angus, thanks for joining us. I know it's a busy, busy time of year down there. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for, for having me on here. It's, uh, it's incredible to be part of spring training again, and um, it's been quite the year, so really excited to catch up on, on uh, all our events. Yeah, well, listen, there's so much to talk about here, but I've got to get to it right away. Listen, uh, congratulations to you and everybody in the organization uh, for that incredible um, player development complex that is now officially open. I know you and I have talked about it uh, a while back. We've all been waiting in anticipation. The video is out, and Angus, oh my goodness, this place is special, not just in baseball, but maybe in all of sport, my man. I, yeah, I'm, I am so grateful for the opportunity that that we have with this. I mean, for, for Mark Shapiro, I think part of the attraction in coming to Toronto was, was also this, right? The, you know, the, the opportunity in Dunedin to build something that could be really driven around development and our players um, and staff. And, uh, but to actually see all the teamwork that it took to actually pull it off and to be actually able to step into the building especially, you know, with what COVID has, has uh, how that's changed our world right now. It's, it's just the timing couldn't be better, and we're, we're so fortunate. Oh, yeah, and for people who haven't seen it, we're going to be posting a link to the video that you and MLB, the, the Blue Jays and MLB have put out that gives everybody sort of an overview of the facility, but from the practice fields to the covered uh, infield to the 22,000-square-foot weight room, um, to all of the special things, the hydrotherapy room, the legacy wall, the clubhouses. But I also wanted to talk to you and maybe hit on this because this is something that I really, really liked, um, the discipline rooms. And we're not talking, you know, getting sent to the office as a kid. These are, these are rooms to go and practice your disciplines or, or fine-tune your disciplines. I really like the scope of the entire facility. I can't wait to see it, Angus. Oh, well, likewise. We can't wait for, for you and, and others to be able to come and uh... – and walk through it too. And and it's funny you said about the discipline rooms. I hadn't even thought of the of the negative connotation around that either until some people mentioned it. And I was like, oh yeah, I can see that. <laughs> but yes, for for uh, you know, one of our core philosophies is around collaboration. And so, you know, I think that was one of the really cool parts of the design process of the whole building is that we weren't going to build you know all these separate offices for people to hide away in we were really looking at how do we bring people together um, and how, you know, even just the, the the life and day of a player or staff member from the, the parking lot and walking into the building and their flow of the day to get their work done. And, you know, as you probably saw in that video, you know, we have to prepare, compete, recover on our walls. And that's kind of how we look at the day, right, in terms of the routine and where do people need to be and what are they doing when they prepare all the way through recover and, and those discipline rooms are a, a chance for, you know, hitting and, and pitching and defensive skills groups to be able to dive in to, to compete through education, right, and how we're learning together. Um, you know, we have all these you know, smaller consult rooms too, so, you know, a coach or, or anybody can, you know, sit with a player and go through video and, and just we have so many options for how people learn and, and how to give the – shape our environment to, to encourage all of those kind of interactions. It's, it's a rare opportunity to be able to not just have architects um, tell us what we should build, 
but really think about the experience and, and then let the architects shape how to pull it off, like how to execute it. And, uh, and we're certainly not disappointed. Yeah, no, no question. It is absolutely fantastic. And Angus, from the bigger picture, we know that in, ter- in terms of the organization, uh, there is a glaring, glaring commitment to helping every player and every every staff and coach in that organization get better. And I think that's a clear sign uh, that, that this building and this commitment brings to the table. But also, across all of sport, I'm going to say there's going to be a, an impact here that goes well beyond baseball when we start talking about, you know, an organization's commitment to really helping people achieve their goals, Angus. I, I, I just think... You know, um, from our perspective here now, just getting to see it on video now and talking a bit about it, uh, there's a real, real big picture um, um, impact here as well. For, for sure. You know, it's, we're really lucky that part of our commitment to learning has meant that we, we're trying to learn from a bunch of organizations across different sports, right? Not just um, baseball. You know, I know you know, Mark did a visit several years ago with some others too, that like English Premier League soccer academies and how they set up uh, places. But it's fun to have some some of those organizations come back to us now and, and also, you know, look to see what, what have we learned going through our process. And um, yeah, so, you know, raising the bar for, for uh, you know, how we're designing environments for for athletes or performers in general it's, it's a pretty cool thing and hopefully i mean i know this is always this may be you know the best or one of the best now and and i know somebody else is going to do the same thing right so it's um it's always going to be a, a bar raising contest but i think that's a cool part of you know our, our um mission of getting better every day is you know the work that's actually done not just a, a beautiful building but but how do we use it? You know, how do we encourage our coaches and, and players to embrace that? Um, but it's certainly everyone's excited to be back together, together, uh, together with with other humans, and, and let alone walking somewhere that's uh, as inspiring as, as this place is right now, too. Right, we're talking with Angus Monkford, the VP of High Performance for the Toronto Blue Jays, and and you're right, it is it is an environment, um, and I think that environment just going to really you know, enhance that culture that you're talking about. And, you know, we talk about the legacy wall and the arts and the tributes that you see, the, all the artwork and tributes that we see inside the, the facility. And you mentioned a couple of really powerful things already, Angus. Prepare, compete, recover. And then the, the one saying that you just mentioned here that is, that is really, really prevalent throughout the, throughout the facility, get better every day. Simple, concise, and frankly, for me, all-powerful, Angus. Yeah, it's, you know, I think that, um, I mean, that that is the, it's a slogan, yes, but it is more of a, a working style that, you know, we're trying to normalize learning into just little chunks. You know, it doesn't have to be some great big um, deliverable or um, realization, right? It can just be the small little interactions and little things that we learn on a daily basis that is meaningful to me as it might be to a, uh, uh, a strength coach or, um, you know, an usher or, or a player, you know, everybody can, can find that as a tangible thing they can do. But, you know, our full mission statement too is, is connected to winning. Like at the end of the day, you know, it's getting better every day, uh, to win, you know, world series and, and celebrate with our fans across the nation. And, and so that the relationship between learning 
you know, is also tied to, to winning. And so it's, uh, it's just that winning is a byproduct of all the hard work that we do and, and how we compete on the, on the field. And for those of us who are not actually on the field, it's how we compete to be better in whatever it is in, uh, in our role. So it's, it's a really compelling part of uh, how we approach things or work on that. Yeah, and I really like that idea, Angus, of that holistic, you know, sort of organizational approach to performance. The the years of the compartmentalization and pillars is slowly fading in way away, and I really do believe that that that's great for everybody, not just the players and the coaches on the field every day, but for everybody in the organization. Because boy, oh boy, if you look at everything as you mentioned that went into this to this facility, but everything that goes into making a, an organization really, really fire on all cylinders. Uh, it is a true team effort, and and there's not one person in that organization that is not critically important. Exactly, and and it's a hard thing when we are spread out across the globe. You know, from the Dominican to you know Vancouver, Toronto, Dunedin here. Um, you know, or our scouts, you know, who are are working their tails off for the next generation um, all over the place. That that we all feel connected, right? That we all feel like we are making a difference and in our own part, even if we're not there right with somebody. So, you know, that's a challenging thing, but, but I think, um, you know, Mark and Ross have done a great job in, in helping us keep that connection alive. Um, and again, especially through COVID that felt was even more palpable, you know, where we only saw each other on teams or zoom or, um, you know, yearning for, for connection with others. And that just, it's not possible in the same way uh, with, with what we're all going through. Yeah, no question, Angus. You know, we have all been incredibly challenged through this COVID time. Um, but but let's face it, the Blue Jays are Canada's team. And boy, oh boy, if one thing that's happened uh, through this whole COVID landscape and this COVID madness is just the perseverance and the innovation that has come out of it. You know, if we look at you guys, for example, boy, oh boy, are we missing you guys north of the border, um, adjusting and playing in Buffalo. And I think, you know, depending on what happens here for this season, um, just moving and shaking and making adaptations on the spot isn't, isn't true just for the players on the field, but for the organization, what a challenging time, Angus. And then to keep everybody sort of on track and focused at the, you know, at the goals and objectives of the team, that's a real hard thing to do, but but boy, oh boy, it's been fun to watch. I'm going to tell you right now. Well, I'm glad it's fun to watch. <laughs> um, you know, it, it is ironic, you know, given our commitment to learning, like we always knew our ability to adapt and adjust could be a competitive advantage. Um, you know, and it is one of the things that, that is really special for, for us being the only uh, team representing a country in, in MLB, but the layers of complexity that we've had to manage compared to anyone else, um, you know, has been really tough. So, and even now, you know, we're, we're about 20 days out from the, um, the end of spring training and going into the season. And we would love nothing more than to be able to be, uh, having our home opener in Toronto, but you know, that's not going to be possible. And so, we're looking at a scenario here where we're we're starting in Dunedin for the first couple of months, and then, you know, hopefully there is an opportunity for us to get into Toronto. But we have to have Plan B and C and D, you know, because we also have come April first, hopefully the rest of our minor league system reporting for spring trading, and you know, Dunedin needs a home and Buffalo needs a home, and and so we're gonna we have a lot of 
flexible planning and scenario planning happening in the background here. So a lot of great people at work trying to think about that already. And, uh, and let's just hope we can get back across the border before too long. Cause I know um, we would love nothing more than to play in front of the fans there. Yeah, well, everybody up north has our finger. We have all have our fingers crossed for that. We're talking with Angus Mugford, the VP of High Performance for the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, Angus, one of the one of the things I really was interested in talking to you about here today, and I think a lot of our listeners will be interested as well, is something you just mentioned. Our, our minor league players, they are coming off a missed season. It's just unthinkable in the big picture, but... Um, you know, as we mentioned, we have to adapt. We have to deal with the cards we've been dealt. But this is going to be a really interesting return to play. We can't really address this the same as we would on a regular season. And that goes for everybody right down to grassroots, Angus, who are, you know, anxious and waiting for baseball to return. But the return to play here is going to be really interesting for the minor league players and the developing uh, players across the nation. Yeah, and so one thing I will say, one of the silver linings to what we've all experienced this last year, for me, has actually been seeing the creativity that's come out. Right. So if you think of in the coaching world, you know, constraints-based teaching or coaching is a way of sometimes accelerating development and accelerating skill acquisition so that you are changing the, the shape of the training um, and getting something... Um, uh, more concise and, and specific out of it. And so COVID certainly has uh, had a ton of constraints. And so seeing how our coaches and players have just adapted and focused on what they can do as opposed to what they can't do has brought out some really unique things. And uh, our, our coaches have been working their tails off the whole time. So, you know, especially on like for our strength and conditioning coaches and, um, you know, dietitians, uh, mental coaches, you know, as well as our PD, you know, staff to figure out what they, what they can do. I think unfortunately our medical staff are also going to be even busier this year too, as, as players' bodies, you know, have different adaptations that they're, we're going to be coping with. We'll, we'll see. But, um, but to see the amount of preparation and work that's gone in behind the scenes about what are some priorities, how do we really develop a deep dive into player plans, um, and unfortunately, the one thing that, that you, like you mentioned, that players have missed out on competitive at-bats um, or pitches, but, uh, but there are a lot of other aspects that they have been working on and, and, and doing. So we're definitely excited to be able to get a green light to bring more guys in. You know, we have been fortunate enough to run camps in the off-season as, as the safety protocols in, in uh, place. Um, but there's nothing that's going to beat actually having competitive, you know, about on the field. So I think that's what we're all craving and uh, we've just got to manage it safely. And, um, you know, we're, we're our team certainly putting a lot of thought into how to best do that. Yeah, no question, Angus. It's going to be really interesting to watch and, and fingers crossed and all the best to everybody as, as our minor league players return as well. Um, that is another very interesting side of the minor league season that I, that I really did want to discuss with you as well, Angus. Not only are we dealing with this uh, incredible landscape that COVID has brought to us, but we're also now experiencing one of the, I think, biggest changes that I've personally seen in organized sport in quite, quite some time. And that's the contraction of the minor league teams and the streamlining of the minor league team. So there's a massive change in the performance pathways through the minor leagues and to get to professional baseball. Um, 
It means fewer players going into each organization, and now there's different performance pathways outside of affiliated ball for these players to pursue their dreams. How does this change, Angus, um, your approach or the organization's approach for the minor league players? Fewer players now, fewer teams now. Um, I think, is this is this something that you guys are obviously are considering, but do you see this as sort of um, a, a, a time where you can now focus on the players who are there with a little more attention or... I guess maybe how does that that whole contraction of the minor leagues sort of change your approach, or, or does it? It's a it's a really good point. Um, I think it's for one, it's something we don't have a lot of control over, right? So it's um, it's not necessarily our choice. I think there's certainly an advantage, like you're saying, for quality over quantity, and statistics will probably tell you, the analytics will tell you that the more players we have, the more chance that um, you find one that comes up through the system. Um, but I think the, the performance director in me says being able to focus our resources on the highest leverage development um, is going to be a good thing. And I think that it does favor organizations that can do a better job around development. Um, so I think you'll see that, that the teams that are really geared towards developing players are going to benefit, and probably the teams that haven't spent as much time or, or resource on development won't. You know, but So we may see a bit of a, a gap in how that um, plays out, You know, especially now with fewer rookie teams especially. There is more development complex focused training. You know, um, so... Again, the timing of us being able to open our facility now is perfect. Um, we're very grateful for that because we know that there's going to be a bigger emphasis on the work that's going to be done out of, out of here. So that, that's a good thing. You know, I do feel for some of the players that may not get the same kind of opportunity now. Um, you know, but like you said, between independent leagues and there are going to be other, other things that come up that are going to be outlets and opportunities. But, you know, the same can be said for, for those college seniors or high school seniors too that were robbed of a, an important year. And, um, you know, it's, it's in the grand scheme of things is, you know, not the same as obviously all of those who've, who've died from COVID, um, obviously, but it's still, it's, it's really unfortunate to see those kinds of windows that are so important on a you know, young player's, career get impacted like that before it's even begun so um but i think from our development standpoint we're excited to be able to really dive deep and, and make a difference uh rather than just managing a numbers game of, of seeing how many people we can get through yeah yeah and we're talking with angus monkford the vp of uh, high performance for the toronto blue jays angus I, I agree with you there it's a really really interesting time and um i'm still trying to get my head around this massive change in the developmental pathway but but we'll see how the dust settles there so hey before we let you go we know this is an incredibly important time for every young player out there every fan of baseball every every young boy and girl who dreams of playing the game um and they're all coming off of a season as well much like uh, our professional minor league players where they've missed the season so this is a time uh, maybe for everybody including the coaches out there to make sure that they, they, they take the proper time to get ready for this season especially since we've missed an entire season so as spring approaches any advice from you for the grassroots and the developmental pathways coaches and players out there as we all are excited to get back to baseball 
Yeah, I think that um, the key things I might share are, are really more about the constraints I mentioned earlier and focusing on the things that you can do rather than getting frustrated with the things you can't. So your ability to physically you know, prepare and recover each day, um, having a game plan and, and working on your game, um, but being patient. Uh, I mean, I think none of those things have changed. Um, but focusing on all the factors you have control over, I think will will definitely make a difference. Yeah, great stuff, Angus. Well, listen, hey, thank you so much for your time today, Angus. It's been great to visit with you and catch up and really, really excited to uh, to watch baseball return here. Uh, good luck as we head into the spring and the season. Thanks so much again for your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. We appreciate you uh, engaging and uh, having me on. Okay, fantastic discussion there and a little look behind the curtains of the Blue Jay magic in terms of player development. Really, really stol- solid infrastructure. And uh, it's taken a while to put this whole thing together. You know, when you make that kind of a, a major commitment to player development, including that building, we're going to be sending out links on our social media platforms and we're posting on uh, Facebook. You can see the video that uh, sort of gives you the overview of this facility. It is truly a gem in sport, not just baseball. So got to thank Angus for that. And want to thank you guys for tuning in. We are out of time. Coming up next week, listen, whether you are a fan of baseball a player, coach, um, a weekend warrior, uh, whether you're an administrator next week, I think is going to be a must-listen show. And while baseball is certainly going to be the theme, I think this is for anybody who's interested in sport and especially player development. And I'm talking player development from grassroots right up to our most elite athletes. The title of next week's show is going to be The Art of the Game, The Art of Coaching. And whether you are a fan or involved in baseball, it doesn't matter. This is going to be a master class in coaching and player development. And we're going to be talking with Dave Turgeon, head varsity coach at the IMG Academy right now. Um, He was drafted by the Yankees, played in that organization. He has played internationally. Uh, He's been involved coaching and managing in professional baseball, predominantly with the Pittsburgh Pirates for decades. And uh, I can't wait to talk to Turge next week about player development and some of the changes we're seeing in baseball. And trust me, all of this is going to be relatable to whatever level you're at and whatever sport you play. So a big, big show coming up next week as we sort of wrap up our baseball series here on Crush Performance. Spread the word. And until next week, everybody, get out there, have some fun, stay safe for sure. But most importantly, go get a little bit better. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. This is a Rock Stops Here with Rock Riley Quick Fix on Radio Influence. We got a great guest, Doug Wechter. He's a former Major League Baseball pitcher. He was able to make the Major Leagues in his hometown. How about that? How about pitching for a high school and then the stadium that you pitch in in Major League Baseball is right down the road in the same town that you grew up in. You could ride your bicycle to the stadium where he made it. 
We're going to talk to him about making it, about the minor leagues. He threw a no-hitter in the minor leagues, about pitching over in Japan where so many fans knew who he was and he was just a kid, just made it to the bigs and blew him away about the passion that uh, people in Japan, sports fans have for baseball, life after baseball. He was also a really good football player, real good football player, quarterback, could have played probably both. Although when you're a quarterback, if you're going to go to the next level they want you to play just quarterback or if you are a baseball pitcher and playing professionally eh, they're not going to give you time off to go play football but anyway he has transitioned life after as a realtor you know how many people say oh, i'm going to be a realtor oh the housing market's going crazy oh i got to get my real estate license so the pros the cons what he has learned being a real estate agent and a whole lot more welcome to another edition of the rock stops here the Rock stops here with longtime radio and TV personality. Rock Riley is found anywhere you find podcasts and radioinfluence.com. 